Hi there, everyone. I'm Gwen Jones, and welcome once again to the I'm a Rotarian podcast, the weekly podcast where I introduce you to amazing people who proudly call themselves Rotarians. Well, this week I am off to Germany, and I want you to meet Jan Medelston. Now, besides having a fabulous last name, he is a fabulous new friend of mine, and he's going to talk about Germany and Rotary, and a governor's council. Hmm. Jan also happens to be a uh, international trainer. He also happens to be an Interact chair, an Interact advisor. He helps with the kids camp. And he also, this government's council I told you about, governor's council, they actually meet in the middle of a lake. Ah, pretty cool, right? So sit back and join us, won't you? We're talking Rotary in Germany this week on the I'm Rotarian podcast. And as always, I'm thrilled that you've joined us for the conversation. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I'm super excited. I'm traveling again via Zoom. This time I am at, I'm right at Lake Constance in Germany, which is a beautiful lake that I'm going to someday visit. But in the meantime, I'm going to talk to Jan Mittelstedt. I really hope I didn't bitcher that last name, uh, who is the past chairman of the German uh, Governor's Council. He's also on many other committees, including an Interact chair and an Interact advisor. And he just got through being one of the many international trainers for our new governors. And he's come all the way from his beautiful lake via Zoom to join me today. Jan, thank you so much for being on the show. Such a pleasure to meet you. Thanks for having me, Gwen. Well, I'm super excited and and. How'd I do on the last name? Because before we before we started recording, we really went over it. I, I give myself a strong B. This one was the perfect version. That was the best one. There you go. See if the rest of the interview is as good as as good as saying your name, I'm I'm upset. I don't have anything else I need to do. Well, I did cyberstalk you as we talked about uh, before the show, and you seem to be doing so much. You seem to call yourself very much a very proud Rotarian, and that's super cool. But I want to know about some of these jobs, and I want you to answer the most important question: Is are our governors ready? You just got through. You just got through as a, as a trainer. How are we looking? Is the next is the next year's governor? Are we look are we looking pretty good? Yes, the governors are so ready, and that's um, ha- that has a lot to do with Jennifer and her team. And I can tell you, this was an am- amazing virtual international assembly. I would have preferred uh, if it had been uh, uh, international assembly in person, but we adapt at Rotary. Yeah. So have you been a trainer before? Was this your first training experience or are you a, an old school in the international training world? So this was my first um, appearance as a training leader at the International Assembly. I uh, did many trainings at Rotary, but this was in uh, Germany. So how was it? How was your first time? Piece of cake? It was, it was just great. <laughs> the, 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 this, this team, this onboarding process, everything was so uh, perfectly balanced. Um, I um, experienced 
Um, what I experienced very often at Rotary, I learned a lot. Every time uh, I got back from one of those training sessions and also from the uh, actual um, sessions at the International Assembly, I thought I had learned something. Well, then see, that's something that, because we've talked to some of your other trainer cohorts for the international one, and you're the first to say that you actually went there and you taught, obviously, you were there as, as one of the trainers, but you actually went there to learn as well and take advantage of the whole thing. So one would then ask, what was what was the most profound thing that you you were taught this this assembly? What did you learn? Well, the most important thing I learned that I was not a, t- a trainer, that I was not <laughs> a teacher. I was really? a facilitator. Oh, this is something completely different. And I already um, um, used this knowledge in my professional life afterwards. So you're a facilitator. Okay, so you're not a trainer. What is the basic difference between a trainer? And a facilitator. Well, a trainer trains uh, people who he he or she tries to um, bring knowledge to them. Okay. And a facilitator tries to make the people um, understand that they are their own knowledge base. And um, I, uh, my role was to make the people talk. Uh, we always were taught. Um, by our um, training leader trainers right. that um, we should talk uh, as less as possible. So, but what if somebody isn't like me and has a podcast and is a rather gregarious person? What if you have a shy governor? Are you basically saying if you're going to be a governor, you got to break out of that shy self because you got to get out there and teach people how to talk and facilitate as you say well we didn't force anyone to talk (laughs) some were a little bit uh, more shy some um, also had problems with the language Um, the international assembly is being uh, translated into um, a a couple of languages but not to all and i was in the english only speaking uh, group and uh, I had many people in my um, in my sessions that uh, were not um, really good at English, and uh, so they were a little bit shy. But uh, sometimes there are there are some techniques we can get them involved without mm-hmm. having them talk too much, and they just they don't want to uh, be embarrassed. Well, and you know, I think. And I I hate to say this because I always sound like a broken record, but I think here in North America, we forget how international Rotary is. I think we forget. I think it's maybe because it started here and Chicago and, and, you know, that that American fabulous ego that we have here in America. And we really forget, especially when it comes to training assemblies, that all the trainers that we've talked about on the show are not only dealing with the wonderful, amazing new line of governors, but they're all from different countries. And I guess you can't pick what languages we're going to do. So I assume um, off the top of my head, I assume one is English. And then is there a, a Spanish 
uh, one and then maybe French or German? I mean, are they more that or do we do something from Asia and maybe have a Chinese or a Japanese? I mean, what what are the languages that people got separated into? If you know, I think that it depends on the on the uh, amount of um, people in the countries who speak English. Um, in Germany, we um, have many people who are at least a little bit a little bit able um, capable of the uh, English language, and uh, therefore, I guess a Rotary uh, hasn't um, until until now, and I hope they uh, will never. Um, set up uh, a German uh, language version because this is also an, a, a great opportunity for us to practice English in in our uh, Rotary daily life. In when we are um, a governor, you speak in your own language because you okay. just tour your district, and uh, most of the time it's uh, a district where you have your own na native language. And uh, therefore, the International Assembly is a very good um, opportunity for us to practice English. And um, some countries um, and some, la some languages, like you said, uh, Spanish, uh, they are just uh, also um, spoken at, very, uh, at many places in the world. So it mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense um, to have those languages uh, being uh, translated Mm -hmm. um, and so I guess that's that's the reason why Rotary did this. And actually, in the German Governors Council, we also had this discussion. If we wanted to um, pay for that, that we uh, get um, our um, language at the Rotary International Convention, for example, right. and also at other international events. And we decided not to because we uh, thought it, it's enough like that. And we we understand it. Well, then I encourage, I know that one of my New Year's resolutions was I'm going to learn Spanish and my partner is learning French. And then once we have those, at least conversationally, we were going to move on to I was going to pick German, uh, not because of our interview. You seem like a great guy, but I actually would like to know German. And then we're not sure what the what the fourth language is. And I think. I do that because when I travel, I always found it very interesting that we make the people of that country speak our language. And I find it, I will speak for myself to find it a fabulous arrogance, even though the world's language is English. I find it slightly arrogant to say, go down to Mexico. I have a, I have a home in Puerto Vallarta, so it doesn't, to go down to Puerto Vallarta and expect the citizens and the of Puerto Vallarta to speak my language. So I always found it important to speak their language. We're in their country, speak their language. And probably the biggest country that believes this is France. So all my American friends listening to my voice, when in France, y'all better know a little bit of French because they, they adore their, their country and their language. So is it maybe on us, maybe us Americans could maybe, since you're doing so much work on your end, maybe us Rotarians here in America could, could learn the language a little bit. It's okay. Be honest. I think we should. Well, um, actually I'm very, very happy. I'm very happy that English is the world language. Really? Because okay. It's, yeah. It's so easy to learn. Um, 
if you want to learn German, good luck. I can tell you, this is so such a, a complicated language. I can't believe it um, for myself. Um, what I will try to do, I want to learn Italian, the Italian language, uh, just okay. because I love Italy so much. And when you go on holiday there, um, almost um, every year, at least once a year, and um, uh, we have our little town in, in Liguria where we go uh, on holiday and vacation, and um, and a little bit Italian I already know, but uh, just way too little. But the motivation is the same, like yours. Uh, if you want to go to a, um, a foreign place, you want to show them your respect and your appreciation respect, yes. yeah. by uh, at least trying to speak their language a little bit. So there you go. Jan and I are saying, if you want to be a good Rotarian, learn another language. <laughs> so I do, you did really quickly when you were talking about that stuff, bring up this, um, you're, that you were the past president of the German Governor's Council. And that sounds very aristocratic. It sounds beautiful. You know, it's like, I was the past president. It sounds like you should have some type of scepter or some type of oath that you have to take to be part of the German Governor's Council. What is the German Governor's Council? That, that's really funny what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I should have uh, thought about this earlier because the scepter thing would have... Uh, it would have been nice. You know, you could have, have had nice, just a little yes. something. Yeah. Okay, I can tell you a little bit a little bit about, about the German Governor's Council. So the uh, German uh, Council of Governors or Governors Council, how you want to call it, um, has ex existed since 1955. Wow. And it's the voluntary association of the current governors, the governors elect, and since 2020, also the governors nominee in Germany for the purpose of learning from each other, cooperation and the realization of uh, synergy potentials that arise, for example, through the work of the committees and the, the governors and governors elect and also governors nominee from Austria, Switzerland and Liechtenstein attend the meetings as permanent guests and are also part of the so-called crews who build up friendship among themselves across districts and borders and also maintain them after their term as governor. And uh, so we're talking, we're talking about 15 German districts and five from the other three countries we were talking about. So 20 districts. Um, that's a lot of people coming together to right. the meetings. Well, and you were saying this beautiful lake that you live at is a rather international lake because it, so what, what is, what is this lake? What are the, what are the countries that border this lake that you, that you live in? Actually the countries of the German governor's council. So uh, Germany, Switzerland, Liechtenstein, and Austria. Those are the countries. And this is why we call this lake and the whole region, the four countries region. So do you like get on a boat and meet in the middle of the lake so it can be very international? Or <laughs> that, that would be perfect. I think this is such a good idea. And I will call it the Gwen idea. When there we you go. You need to find one, a, one day. a beautiful yacht. We've got some Russian oligarch just you, you the germany just found that russian oligarchs like six million dollar yacht you could plunk it right there in the middle of the lake and it could be the new un 
<laughs> yeah, we, we, we call it Gwen and we yes. invite you to the first meeting. I will be there. You put it on the you put it on the calendar and I will be there. So you also so you, you use this word synergy and and you, you actually have a, an online presence. You were saying that you were the chairman of the online synergy. So what are some of the synergies that have you've come up with? I mean, have you done some international projects? Have you done some local projects? I mean, what is what synergy have you guys discovered? Well, um, the the I'm the chairman also of this um, um, synergy committee, committee. The online okay. synergy committee. Um, uh, that's very important. It's not the synergy committee, but it's the online synergy committee of the German Governors Council, and um, this is a pretty new um, uh, part of the German Governors Council. But we already did something and um i i can tell you um we at the, at the time when covid came right um we had uh, to find a solution all the clubs were uh, meeting online mm -hmm. and there were no possibilities to have people coming to the clubs and give a presentation or a lecture for example right and uh this was a, a problem for many clubs because they had this structure of the meetings first the the uh, regular regular um, parts of the meeting right uh, some some eat then some have the presentation first, some some, have some the, meet in the morning some eat at night yes. some, right but, right but, but uh, almost all clubs in at least in germany have uh, some kind of presentation right uh, 20 minutes about Uh, some interesting topic and that was something they just didn't have anymore so um we found we found a solution for that um we um founded uh, we um invented a website it's called rotaryvorträge.de i okay. don't uh, i won't let you repeat that um, uh, thank you i I'm doing. I'm still on a high from your name. Let's not. Let's not mess it up with the other stuff, right? Yeah, you're 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 right now ranking at uh, number one. You don't That's want right. to lose that. Stuff. <laughs> okay, and uh, so we developed an online platform where Rotarians and also non-Rotarians could offer live online presentations. So no videos or PDFs or something like that. Clubs can contact the person who offers the topic. And arrange a date for the live online lecture. And this platform now has more than 150 lecture offerings, which are uh, used by hundreds of clubs in German-speaking countries to enrich their online meetings with lectures. But um, yeah, and this is something that's still going on. And also, some of the of the uh, presenters were being invited to actual meetings, to um, in-person meetings to pre make those presentations. So we thought this would be something that would just uh, be for the Corona uh, time, right. but it seems that it will uh, remain afterwards. That is, I mean, it's almost like here in the States uh, with my Hollywood hat on, that would be called a speakers bureau. So, you know, you, you have all these speakers, they can have, what a great idea. And so that kept your club's strong. It kept them vibrant. It kept them engaged. And then it's here permanently. 
That's great. Yes. So I there's this awesome one, only idea. one of the there's only one of the uh, ideas we had. We also think about setting up websites uh, for the districts, mm-hmm. and um, but not every district sets up um, a known uh, website. But we set up one website with uh, all the wishes and ideas from the several districts, and then uh, let all uh, each district uh, make. Um, um, its own version of this website. So this is also synergy. Uh, one uh, one time the work, 20 times um, the, the websites. Yeah. The impact, yes. So it's so it's very collaborative, but still clubs get, can keep their autonomy. They can still keep their own look, their own feel. But as a group, you're working together for the greater good. Is that, is that a pretty fair way yes. to say it? Yes, I love um, it. that's right. Yes. And we also have one more um, um, project or no, two more projects uh, right now in the pipeline. Uh, one is uh, rotaryprojects.de. So rot- rotaryprojekte.de. Um, <laughs> and this is uh, it's pretty similar to the, uh, to the lecture uh, part where we uh, offer the some kind of best practice projects from all districts of the German speaking um, uh, districts. And um, it's, it's a kind of a XXL, XXL version of the showcase of uh, rotary.org. Yeah. So it's almost like a think tank in the sense of here's our idea. Here's another person's idea. Here's another person. And you open source, you open share it with everybody. Is that? Is that yes. Yes. Yeah. And uh, so it can be an inspiration just to to also redo this because we want to we want uh, other clubs and other districts to copy good ideas. Right. And also it helps us with our public uh, relation because um, in, in Germany, at least it's not so easy for for a governor or for a top president to tell the press what is rotary doing and uh, right. if we have this website then they can say just go to rotaryprojekte.de and there you find um, a couple of uh, the projects that clubs uh, from the german speaking um, districts did in the last years and those are curated so and there's not every uh, uh, project every mini project in, but the projects that are really um, kind of standing out. Well, and I'd also say not only standing out, but showing uh, like actions after that project. So I, I think I think one thing um, all around the world when it comes to Rotarians, we do these amazing projects, and then we never follow up on. What actually happened with that? Did we built that well? That was wonderful. We built that well, but we never go back and go, is the well still working? How did, what was the impact? What was, so it looks like with this group that you have, so not only are you doing stuff, but you're inviting the press, other Rotarians, other to see the impact of what you're doing. So the impact analysis, which is a fancy words for, you know, that what we don't do with our projects, which and this is but this is something Rotary <laughs> is actually going to. Um, mm-hmm. At the international assembly, this was one of the major topics: measuring oh, not only income or outcome, right. but impact. This is something very important. Uh, the charity navigator, for example, um, measures the charities also um, in this 
um, way if how how is the impact the long-term impact so it's yeah. very important to have that and um, yes um, this this is one of the websites that uh, is going to be um, it's going to go online soon and the other one is already online it's rotary that's the ukraine help uh, platform uh, that we have a German-speaking Ukraine help platform where we already have 60-plus projects on. And uh, wow. we this is also a, a matching uh, option. And this is also synergy. If every district of every of those, each of those 20 districts uh, had set up this kind of website for um, themselves, it would have been 20 times the work that we have now we yeah. only have one time the work and we set it up in two days and after that uh, it was already online and this helps us a lot to organize the help that we are um, organizing for the ukraine people and and i love that and i want to i want to get to you your own rotary story but i have to say that this is now the second or third interview that i've done with folks that are literally right next door or give or take right next door to Ukraine. And it was really inspirational to talk to some Rotarians in Poland just the other day that when it, when all the conflict happened, they basically took all of their projects that they had on the table and wiped them away and started calling out to all of their other uh, Ukrainian and or uh, Polish uh rotary groups and said, how do we want to help? What do we want to do? And they all met. And it was, it's really inspiring. I mean, I mean, I'm thousands of miles away. I'm on a whole other continent. I can give to Rotary International, which I did. And I, my club, I very proudly said my, my board put together a big chunk of money to send as well, but it is inspirational to see how Rotarians in your country and other countries have just been Okay, we got work to do. We have people in need. It's been really inspiring. Yes, so, uh, it's inspiring uh, concerning the big projects and also the very small ones. Mm -hmm. uh, my wife, for example, she organized that um, a refugee from Ukraine uh, uh, got to live in the apartment next to us. And wow. um, this, this woman um, now... She uh, visited uh, the, the service project that we had with the Interact Club last Saturday. And, uh, the, so she, and she's also a Rotarian um, from uh, Charkov, Charkiv. And therefore, you can see how um, Rotary connects the world, as Mark Maloney said it. Yeah. Isn't that amazing to go from absolute devastation to show up at your Interact project? That it, and I have a feeling it's because it was normal. I had a feeling because in all the the turmoil of her last month, to know that there is her like minded friends that are there at Interact. Well, let's get to know your story. I mean, because it sounds like you're doing a lot of stuff now, but you know, you had to start by becoming a Rotarian. So how exactly did you become a Rotarian? What, what made you first, you know, did you first see the wheel? Did you, were, did you have family in Rotary? How did you get to, how did you get to start Rotary? Well, um, it's not too long ago. It was in the spring of 2007. So 15 years ago. That's pretty was, good. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm, I was 37 years old. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine asked me if I was interested in joining a group of people who were just about to found a new Rotary Club. At that time, I had never before heard of Rotary. And what I could find on the internet at that time was only partially encouraging. Wow! So I went to that very first meeting intentionally, not too well dressed, <laughs> pretty casual, with a short sleeve shirt. And I said to myself, if they don't accept me like that, I do not want to be part of that club. So you rather threw down a challenge from the moment you walked through the door. Are you going to accept me for my short sleeves? Well, you do fine at my at my club because we meet at cocktail hour and I pretty much have like my rotary vest on and we're good to go. But you walked through the door with a short sleeves shirt. And what was the reaction? You well, um, the others also had short sleeves on. <laughs> And and they wanted me as a member, and I was happy to join them. I even joined early enough that I could become a charter member of my club. And it was like Ignacio Gonzalez said at the International Assembly, I never sought out Rotary in my life. It was Rotary that sought me out. So I never um, had any desire to join Rotary simply because I didn't know it existed. Right. And I have to admit... That first I was a little bit skeptical, but after only a couple of weeks, I got rotary, as Jennifer Jones would call it. Right. Um, yes. So what were you skeptical about? Like, is this boring? Are they actually doing anything? Is this just, you know, is this just a social club? What were you skeptical about? Uh, it, it has to do with the image of rotary. Okay. And, um, you know, that was in 2007. And we can, if you compare 2007 to 2022, it's two completely different Rotary worlds. Yeah, it really is. And so uh, the Rotary of that time um, was not all uh, like I wanted to be in a club um, with, for example, this, um, this way of... Uh, this image it's not it was not the way but the right. image of people who feel better than others and uh-huh. um, and this is something uh, i would not accept uh, but uh, i got to know this group and uh, we were we were the, the founders of a, of a new rotary club so we could make our own rules um, and that's why it was so easy for me to to become a, a rotarian um Although there were some skepticism. uh, So you're talking about, so I I assume you're talking about that. It's just a bunch of older white guys that sit around and white and write checks and maybe have lunch or dinner or something like that, or breakfast and look down on others. Is that, I mean, because I have heard that from other guests that it was just like, we are the, elites of the town we are the business owners of the town and so the movers and shakers has been another expression that's been used and so you walked through the door and you found that maybe some of those things were true but that wasn't the essence of the group is that what i'm hearing yes you know no one of my family no one of my friends and no one of my fellow students at the university was a rotarian or a rotaractor nor had ever talked to me about service clubs whatsoever. 
And this concept was completely unknown to me. For many years, I had been a voluntary member of the management of our local basketball club. That was my social network at that time. Right. And um, so I had to get used to this way of social network, and um, but it worked out well. Yeah, I would say so. So from 2007 to 2022, and somewhere in there in all those travels, um, I get to ask one of my favorite questions, which is, I know Jennifer Jones and others have called it the it moment, which is what it... Is there a moment that still brings a smile to your face when you think of it? Is there a moment that it's like, okay, every single time I'm having one of those crappy days in Rotary <laughs> or I'm or I'm taking away time from my family and friends to finish some Rotary thing, but I think of that one moment and it makes it all worth it. What's that one inspirational experience in Rotary that you can still think of and get excited about? Well, my most inspiring Rotary experience was actually a Rotaract activity. Oh, okay. You got to know that there's a great Rotaract project in Germany. It's called Kids Camp. Mm. In 2008, one Rotary club had the idea to organize a vacation camp for disadvantaged children. And what was supposed to be a one-off? grew over the years to a project that is carried out every year in all districts in Germany. You know, some families just cannot afford to go on vacation. Right. And um, when after the summer holidays, the teacher asks what the children did during the vacations, some children have to answer nothing. And the road directors uh, give more than 600 children an answer to this question every year. And the kids camp doesn't stop in Germany. There are now also spin-offs in Austria and in Switzerland. So when I was a district governor, I visited one of those kids camps. It was the most impressive experience of my time as a Rotarian. And the happiness these kids showed, the community and the cohesion there mm. really make you believe in a better world. And experiencing this moved me deeply, the Rotaractors have been my Rotarian heroes ever since. So is it a camp that's just a pure camp or are we, are there, are, is the kids camp trying to make future Rotarians or is they, are they just there as a summer fun camp or maybe both? They are just there as a summer fun camp for okay. disadvantaged uh, children uh, whose, for example, whose families don't have um, enough money to go on holiday, but also for other difficult situations, uh, some also for children who had to be taken out of their families, which what uh. exists in all areas of the world. And, um, you know, um, seeing this and experiencing this, experiencing this was uh, uh, the pivotal moment for me in my whole Rotarian uh, time. And since that time, I'm just uh, a huge Rotaract fan. A Rotaract, like I said, they are my Rotarian heroes. So, which brings you to, you know, you are the inner, you are the, um, are you the, you're the Interact advisor or Rotaract advisor in your area? Interact? I'm the Interact chair of my district and I'm the Interact advisor of the Interact club of my hometown. So are you trying to make future Rotaractors? With the interact, well, this, I 
Well, the Interact Club, um, it happened because my, my daughter decided to found uh, Interact Club. She was oh, the great. founding president. Um, so it wasn't me who uh, asked her to do this. It was her who asked me to help her do this. And uh, since I was a governor at that time, I could. it was easy for me to help her. And um, yeah, since that time, the interactors meet in my office twice a, a month. And we already have, um, we set up many great projects together. And, and this is so inspiring to see those young um, uh, people, these youth people, mm -hmm to um, do good and be inspired by doing good. One of those, um, of those interactors said after one of those um, projects that we made that she felt joy, happiness mm -hmm. when she, when she uh, realized that what she was doing really changed something. Uh, and even if it was only a little thing. And this experience, this will um, give her intrinsic motivation for the rest of her life, I'm sure. Yeah. So I'm sure that the Interact Club will be kind of a... Um, like a stepping stone, maybe. A, yes, it's the first step to, to, into the Rotarian family. And therefore, I'm also so glad that we don't only have Rotarian kids, uh, kids with a Rotarian background, but also uh, such that uh, haven't ha heard about Rotary before. So is she going to, once she's a rotor actor, can she then move into maybe helping at one of these famous kid camps? Is that what you're, you're yes, hoping? Um, yeah. You know, my daughter, Lisa, actually made it possible that interactors can, can do that because she couldn't wait Great. until she, she, would, she didn't want to wait until she was 18. So she asked the organizers of Rotaract if uh, they allowed her to become um, a team member before she was 18 and they allowed. So she was the president's um, and uh, since then um, interactors can be part of uh, the kids camp. And uh, we're going to have the second interactor at a kids, kids camp this summer. That's awesome. Well, so bravo to all the kid camps and the kid camp advisor. I, I wish it was an international, more of an international thing, but it's a, it sounds wonderful. And um, which then brings me to one more question about your, your rotary life. And that's one that, that my listeners always expect. And that is about the four-way test. And you said you have a daughter and you said that you work with interactors. So it's kind of a two-parter. So how do you use the four-way test in your life? Is it more esoteric? Is it more rules and regulations? And how then part two is the four-way test perhaps part of your daughter's life, or is it kind of too soon to really get her started on a, on the four-way test kind of principles? Well, I've adopted this way of thinking in my daily actions in everything I do. I always try to see the other side mm -hmm. to put myself in the other person's shoes. So to say, this allows me to take, to make more sustainable decisions and to pay much better attention to the balance between my goals and those of my environment. Mm. In, in this way, I can manage my company better. 
I can also make better decisions in my private life. Um, and it's important that we always refer to the four-way test only for ourselves and uh -huh. do not want to prescribe it to other people. It's a very personal thing, in my opinion, just for oneself. And um, we, we talk about the four-way test. But what Lisa, for example, and also my son, Yannick, he's a road director. He's mm -hmm. the incoming president of our local road track club. And what they do with the four-way test, I leave to them. So is it, so I, I, I find it very interesting that you said right off the bat that it is, that it is a, a test that you give to yourself and how you go pro your world. We have a, a, a joke here on the podcast that we call people that push the four-way test onto others. We call them four-way test cops. And I have found them I, it, it, on social media platforms. They are huge. And we are all guilty of throwing rocks and hiding our hands, especially on social media. Um, so have you ever been a cop? Or, is he, or do you really stand firm by the four-way test is your own your own measurement of your own actions? You don't use it in, in, mm. in a cop way, I guess. You know, I think every Rotarian has a learning curve. <laughs> I, think, I think no, no um, new member knows already everything. I had to learn about the four-way test first. Mm -hmm. And it was only... Um, it was only um, some years later that I heard someone talk about the four-way test as a self-test only. Um, huh. I was no cop, uh, as you would call it. <laughs> um, but I also um, did not um, pay too much attention to the test in, the, in my first years. Not that I didn't obey it, but... Um, I just had so many other things at Rotary to learn. And on, it was only after... It wasn't going anywhere, I, right? It would yeah. be there when you were ready to give it some time it and stayed action. There. Yeah. It stayed there. And then I got to learn about the forward test. Um, and uh, so I think I'm no cop, but maybe I don't want to say that I never said something like that. Mm -hmm. um, maybe I uh, also asked someone or talked about someone else um, and mentioned the four-way test. I don't know. I can't remember, but uh, it's not impossible. Well, and I, and, and I, I am an internalizer when it comes to the four-way test, because I'm always very, um, I always don't forget the first words before the four-way test, which is of all the things we think, do, or say. And I think those get kind of left out. <laughs> You know, because it's, it is it is very much an I statement to get the thing started. Well, I mm. just have one or two questions for you, and I thank you so much. And I know it's the evening for you, so it's you know time for a, a beer or a glass of wine here. So thank you for finishing up. But I know you started in 2007, if I believe, and now it is 2022. How has what have been some of the biggest changes in Rotary in that time? And how do you think the future looks in Rotary right now? Well, as I said, it was just 15 years ago. But for me, it seems really like an eternity. Mm. Because the Rotary of the year 2007, from my memory, was a complete different organization than I experience it today. 
at that time, everything had its structure. Mm -hmm. There were rules for everything, and most Rotary clubs were, were very simili simili similar, both in terms of how meetings were run and in terms of written and unwritten laws. It was also very nice, but it was also kind of undynamic. Oh, okay. Today, today Rotary is versatile, flexible, adaptive, and ready for the future. We have completely new club models. Rotaractors have become much closer to Rotary. They are now mm. really part of the Rotarian family since Elevate, sure. Elevate Rotaract, and not just a program anymore. New clubs are forming in ways that would have been completely unthinkable in 2007. Oh, yeah. At the same time, traditional clubs are being allowed to remain as they are without the pressure to change. I'm a big proponent of live and let live. We shouldn't try to change other clubs, but we should work on falling in love with our own clubs. Jennifer Jones said that beautifully at the International Assembly, and I can only agree. When I made my club visits at, as governor in 2019, That's when I appealed to clubs not to be afraid of change. Mm -hmm. And I gave the, the e-clubs as, as a simple example. I suggested, uh, that, that, was, that were all traditional club models, I suggested that every Rotarian attend an online meeting of an e-club once, at least once as a guest. Yeah. At the time, I can tell you, at the time I met with little enthusiasm. <laughs> But just a few months later, we were all e-clubs because the pandemic acted as a sure. catalyst for change. And so I think uh, there has a lot changed. Um, but it wasn't just Corona that enabled innovation and change. Mm -hmm. But because Rotary is much more dynamic and much more creative than many Rotarians also today believe. I was going to say, give also, credit for. I agree. Yeah. Yes. Well, I, I myself also had to train my willingness to innovate first. Mm -hmm. um, today, I'm a big fan of diversity and creative club forms. But please don't get me wrong. No one is forced to change. As long as traditional clubs are successful, they can continue that way. Mm -hmm. We need both tradition and innovation. Well, and I love that you're bringing this up because I, I think there has been this, this, this or that kind of attitude that's kind of saddened me in a way that if you want a very traditional, you know, that Paul Harris could show up and feel right at home, that's fine. Just don't stop the new thinking club that may want to, and then vice versa. The new thinking club, don't try and destroy the old boys club. If they, if they feel that that is the best for them, But I think the thing is, is that you're all Rotarians. You can agree to perhaps disagree on how your club works, but it is your club. If, if you know, I, I have looked at many clubs before I found the club that I am at now. And it's in the afternoon. I mean, right off the bat, if you're a morning club and you're meeting at 730, bravo. I'm not going to be a member of your club. It's just not going to happen. You know, if you have some big dinner or something like that, not really my club. 
doesn't really fit for me. If uh, I think they call them check writing clubs that they just sit and have a cocktail and write checks. I'm very much a, a Rotarian of action kind of Rotarian. And I think there's a right club for everybody. Yeah. So bravo. All right. I got one more question for you and I'm going to let you have your rest of your evening. And I normally, my last question is normally what we call the elevator pitch here in America, which is I see you on an elevator and, you know, why would I want to join Rotary? And you can address that one if you want. But what I would really like to know is you had a countryman just a few years ago that was our international president, and that was Hogar. How did it feel as a a man of Germany who was very, you know, proud of his country and proud of his Rotarian group? How did it feel to have a fellow countryman as our international president how do you think hogar did um well i can answer both questions if you okay want. please okay let's start with holger we were very proud uh, to have holger as our uh, first german rotary international president yeah and he did fabulous um he was in unprecedented times we must yes, add absolutely i i think i think he adapted perfectly and um, uh, he was exactly the right German to represent Rotary International. Uh, there were also many other uh, Germans that uh, could have been selected. And I was just a fan of his selection, of him being the Rotary International president. For me, it was especially um, a, a wonderful thing because I was at that time, the chairman of the German Governors Council. So uh, we we uh, worked together. He actually visited Constance at our German Governors Council crew meeting um, in the middle of 2020. So it was uh, July. It was a time where we would were allowed to travel again uh, for a short period of time. Yeah. And this was really, really uh, impressive to have him speak there. Um, uh, and uh, so uh, Holger was a great Rotary International President, and he set the stage, um, I guess, for um, what's next. And also he set the stage um, for being what he said, um, um, to have a, a kind of a change that is um, more radical. You know, mm-hmm. um, he, he said, just be revolutionary. Yeah. Um, and this way of encouraging us to think outside the box was really great. And I was very proud to have him as a uh, German Rotary International President. Yeah. Yeah. I think he did a great job. He's not made it on the show yet, but, you know, we're working on it still. I, I, he's probably busy sleeping. <laughs> Because I think and Shaker soon is going to be doing the same thing come come July. I think all of those people in all those positions just could use a vacation and a nap and not a podcast. So then that leaves our last question, which is that elevator pitch. You and I are on an elevator. What would you say to me if I said I've heard of Rotary? Why would I ever want to join Rotary? You know, this is really easy. This question is so easy. Good. Um, <laughs> That's why we saved it for last. <laughs> have, I just have to translate our vision statement into a um, bit more colloquial kind mm-hmm. of text. 
So let's take a look at the, our vision statement first. Uh, it reads, together we see a world where people unite and take action to create lasting change across the globe, in our communities, and in ourselves. So this is a real great text, but it's not um, for an elevator pitch. Right. What I make out of that is we are the people who unite to, to, to do good in the world and in our communities. And by doing that, together with friends with the same set of values, we also grow as individuals. Rotary in three words, helping, learning, friendship. Helping, learning, friendship. I love it. Okay, we're on our floor. I'm, I'm in. Let's do it. <laughs> Jan, thank you so much for taking time to talk to me. I would love to see your lake someday with or without the oligarchs uh, yacht in the middle of it. Um, I will be at international conference in Houston, and then I will also be at Sydney. I hope one of those trips you take travels to because it would be an honor to meet you in person and not on Zoom screen. Thank you for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Gwen. Thank you. Well, I better start off with a bit of point of order there. Uh, Jan, don't go see me in Sydney. The next conference is in Melbourne. So sorry, all my fans in Melbourne, please forgive me for misquoting a city there. But Jan, until then, I hope to see you on your lake, huh? And what do you think about those German clubs, men only? Who knew we'd be talking about that during the conversation, hmm? It was awesome, awesome, awesome to have a conversation with you. And on a little bit of a personal note, uh, I got to uh, meet a friend of Jan's at uh, the last convention. He couldn't make it. We're still saving it for Melbourne, remember? Uh, but a dear friend of his did. And he met me in Lederhosen. True story. Can't make it up. Well, you know the drill. Thank you for joining me so much on the podcast this week. Download us, tell a friend, follow us, get in touch with my musical side on Rotary Radio UK. If you have a Rotarian I should know about, you know the drill. Rotarianpod at gmail.com. And until next week, take care of yourself and the world around you. And we'll hear you next time on the I'm a Rotarian podcast. Bye, everybody. Love you, Melbourne. I swear I won't make the mistake again. <laughs> take care, everybody. Take care, everybody.